Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to Where To Go. I'm James Atkinson, Senior Brand Manager at DKI Witness. And I'm Lucy Richards, Senior Editor at DKI Witness. And welcome to Where To Go, where every fortnight we find out more about the world's favourite travel destinations with the people who know those places best. And today, Lucy, where are we? We're going to Egypt, James. Yes, it's really, really exciting. We haven't been to Egypt before in the pod. No. Have you been to Egypt, Lucy? This is the big question. No, I never have. And I don't think you have. No, I haven't. When I was a kid, I was obsessed with ancient Egypt, with all things kind of like Egyptology. And I I think I've said on the podcast before, my family used to go to Greece all the time, went to various Greek islands. And I was always like pushing in the pages of the travel brochures to go to Egypt. And for some reason, we never went. And actually, I do remember going to, I think, Rhodes and my auntie and uncle taking a crazy day trip to Cairo, which is quite a wild thing to do. Wow, and, yeah. And, fe- and feeling extremely, extremely jealous. And they did like the sort of like the tourist trail of Cairo and the, the bit of the pyramids and stuff in a day and came back completely shattered. And I remember just being really, really jealous as a child. So I've always been fascinated, but I do know there's kind of, there's more to Egypt than just that kind of touristy trail as well. Like we, everyone knows about the amazing history. And um, that's it, isn't it? I think Egypt is one of those places that we immediately think of ancient Egypt when actually, you know, it's a whole, it's a modern country. Cairo is a modern city. I think our guest today is going to show us a very different side to the country and kind of lift the mask on what we all think we know about it. Absolutely. And take us just away from that, like uh, celebrate the history, but also show a different side to Egypt. So Lucy, who is our guest? Today we have Monica Gerges joining us. Egyptian-Canadian writer Monica Gerges lived in Cairo, where she began the foreign local podcast, A Must Listen, and she's currently working with us on the update of DKI Witness Egypt, which is published in 2024. So hello, Monica. Hello, hello. Hello, Monica. Welcome. Hey, guys. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for joining us. So as usual, we're going to begin with learning a little bit more about our guest, Monica, followed by her all-important recommendations on where to go and insider knowledge of Egypt. Then we'll hear about upcoming exciting events and ways to make the most possible positive impact when you visit. So Monica, you lived in Canada, I think, for 20 years before you decided to book a one-way flight to Cairo. What drove that decision? So I'm actually Egyptian-Canadian. We immigrated in 96 um, and I grew up as part of the Egyptian diaspora community. And Egypt always kind of felt like homey to me whenever I'd come visit and people would be like, oh, but you only like it because you go there on vacation. You don't have to deal with like 
the grit mm. of everyday life. And it does get a little gritty. So I guess I kind of wanted to earn my stripes a little bit and prove yeah. the Egyptianness. Yeah. And so I just started looking for job opportunities here. And I came across something that was a perfect fit for me. I was a copy editor um, and there was an online publication looking for a copy editor. So I shot out an email and eight days later, I was on a one-way flight. Amazing. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> it's a very big step. How did you find settling into the city? So I was familiar enough with it for me to kind of know my way around. There weren't any of the expected mm. culture shocks uh, because a lot of people were like, oh, you're not going to be able to handle what everyday life looks like. I think my culture shock was actually kind of reverse okay. Okay. in terms of how I settled in because I came in expecting, you know, when I come on vacations, I'd hang out with my cousins. And so just the day to day life of like family vacation yeah. mode. And then when I showed up, I wasn't really plugged into like the media industry and like the the equivalent of like crazy rich Asians over yeah, here. Okay, and okay. that's what I got tossed into when I plugged <laughs> into like work and the media industry. And so that's where I found myself when I got here. And it took a while to adjust to there being many sides to the Rubik's Cube that mm. is Egypt. And they're all yeah. Egypt just the same. So that was probably the most challenging portion for me when it came to settling in. Yeah, I mean, this is probably an impossible question, Monica, but what is it yeah. that you love so much about living in Cairo? I mean, we're, we're going to go into some, into some of the nitty gritties, but can you kind of capture what makes the city so special for you? Absolute sheer chaos. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I like your honesty. <laughs> I mean, I guess I thrive in the chaos. Yeah, chaos can be good. Cairo is the city that never sleeps. It really can. Yeah. It's like, it's almost poetic chaos or organized chaos. Mm. Like there's a rhythm to the chaos. And that brings a certain type of um, life that's such a stark contrast to the greater Toronto area where I grew up. And so, like, this city is always on. They tried to get it to take a nap during the pandemic, and then it's just, it's always alive. People everywhere, and people are genuinely super friendly and warm for the most part. Mm -hmm. So that sense of, mm -hmm. like, warm, poetic chaos, it breathes life to my soul, you know? I love it. Amazing. Lovely. Well, let's hear a little bit more about that chaos and some of your favourite recommendations. kick things off, Monica, we're going to ask you to give us a quick fire tour of Cairo. So we're going to name a few categories and you have to suggest just one thing to do. Are you ready? Awesome. Let's do it. Let's do it. Cool. Absolutely. So we're going to start off with your favorite view. Sunset from atop of Bebzuela Minaret in Islamic Cairo. Super specific, beautiful. Oh, lovely. Tell us a bit more about the view. I, I, I'm more forgiving than James. So you can give me more <laughs> <with> me. <laughs> I was trying to be quick about it, but all right, let's do this. I know, thank you. Um, I appreciate your efficiency. Yeah, tell us a bit more about it. <laughs> so you actually get, if you climb up the minaret, you get a view of all of Islamic Cairo and you can see over to Mu'attam Mountain. You can catch a glimpse of the pyramids. And if you look for specific details, like you could see bits of the Nile, it is stunning and it's so layered. It's beautiful. That sounds incredible. Yes, sold. I'd love to do that. Come visit, let's do it. I'm going to jump to the big one. Your favourite thing to eat, Monica. There are so many options, but mm. stuffed grape leaves are my favourite thing in the world. Ah, they're so Ooh, good. Yeah. They're so good. What are they stuffed with? So it's a rice mix. So it's a rice and almost, not veggie mix, but rice and herb mix. Sometimes people will mm. put a little bit of meat in it. Sometimes they won't. Um, in Egypt, it's served hot. And elsewhere in the Middle East, it's served cold. Mm, okay. Yeah. Delicious. Oof, very, very nice. And uh, your favorite thing to drink, Monica? 
cold karkade, and karkade is the Arabic word for hibiscus. Ooh. Oh, yes, Which you please. can pick up from Aswan. It's incredible, but it's also just served anywhere, um, any of the coffee shops. So it's uh, served hot and cold, but I prefer cold. Mm. Oh, that sounds really refreshing. It is. Yes, absolutely. I'd love one of those. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And then, Monica, your favorite day activity? I'm a walker. So strolling through any of the streets in the more historic areas of the core, so whether it's Islamic Cairo or downtown or Heliopolis, there's so much to take in if you look up. Nice. Sounds good. And we're almost there. This is a very, very quick fire round. Your favorite museum or gallery? I am not a museum person. I need to confess. I am truly not. <laughs> however, however. That's absolutely fine. Not all people are. Okay. Like <laughs> I need to call my bias. I live in Egypt and I'm not a museum and history person. I know. But the um, <laughs> National Museum of Egyptian Civilization is actually mm-hmm. really cool. It has mummies, but it's also really cool in terms of like its setup and the view and how it's curated. So... I'll give a nod to that one. Cool. Great answer. That was a very, very quick fire round, Monica. That was excellent. It was efficient and inspiring. Thank you very much. Hibiscus <laughs> sounds delicious. I would love a icy hibiscus right it's now. So That's, yeah, that it's does so sound good. very, it's very so good. good. That's true. <laughs> nice. So, Monica, obviously, I know you're working on TK Witness Egypt right now. What are some sort of highlights that visitors really shouldn't miss when they visit? Sort of the, you know, the absolute must-dos in your mind. I mean, beyond the pyramids, because they're the pyramids, Mm. that's the given. Um, Beyond that, I think if you head to the tomb of Nefertari in the Valley of the Queens uh, down in Mm -hmm. Losur, that is one of the most well-preserved tombs. It's got a bit of an expensive entry fee, but totally well worth it because it's so well-preserved, it's so well-maintained, and there's a sense of like almost... I don't want to use the word grand, but there's something very grand and it reminds you of just how small you are in light of the immense history of this country, if that makes any sense. Yeah. Um, yeah. It, yeah. It's overwhelming in that regard. So it's definitely one of the ones that are worth seeing. Um, Losur as a whole is just a giant open air walk through history, which is definitely, definitely one of the places that you have to be. Excellent. Cool. Sounds amazing. It sounds very humbling, actually. That's a very good word choice. I will take humbling over grand any day. (laughs) It is a very humbling experience. (laughs) So visitors should definitely go and visit some of these tombs. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. And are there any other sort of highlights that visitors shouldn't miss around Egypt as well? Anything broadening it out a bit further? So on the polar opposite side, um, if you're more of like an aquatic person, I'm more of a water person. I love going swimming. However, in Hurghada, there's a place called Mahmeya Island. And Mahmeya mm. Island, I've heard it put this way, it's like swimming inside a screensaver. Okay. okay. <laughs> it's beautiful. You can go snorkeling. I believe you can also go diving and just swimming straight through it. The water is incredibly clear. There is so much going on under the mm. water that it's a whole it's a whole experience in and of itself. You can also like hop on boats, take boat tours, uh, hop on a yacht, spend the day, etc. There's a lot to do, but there's also so yeah. much to experience under the water that you probably won't want to be above the water anyway. Yeah. Yeah. What is below the water? I'm curious. <laughs> I'm just um, lots of so fish. So you've got <laughs> um, you've got a lot of really cool corals. So Egypt has a lot of spots that are rated as top diving spots worldwide, mm. and the Red Sea is definitely up there. So some of the best mm. diving experiences you can have in terms of the type of underwater life that you see and how well preserved it is and how well they take care of that and like 
keep it alive essentially mm. it's stunning and it's also a little bit overwhelming in all the good ways mm. it's overwhelming to just yeah. take all of that and there's a whole it, it's a whole other world under the sea um and mahmey is a really good spot to check that out lovely okay can't cool. miss that and can you tell us about some hidden gems in egypt that listeners might not know about yet my absolute favorite is an oasis in the western desert kind of close to libya it's called siwa oasis and Siwa is also mm. known as the Sunset Oasis because as much as the Bebzuela sunset is stunning, Siwa's sunsets are just something completely different. Siwa is, just by virtue of it being an oasis, it's still held on to so much of its culture, just in terms of the Siwan people and their, um, I believe they're from Amazir tribes, and they've mm. retained so much of mm -hmm. their culture and the experience as a whole is very warm and welcoming but it's very serene very quiet there are mountains and there are also really cool uh, hot springs cold springs salt lakes to swim in which you kind of just float straight through um, really good also for pictures and there's also you can do uh, you can safari through the great sand sea um, there's also like fossils that you could check out over there there's a lot to do but it's also very serene and it's yeah. a very remote area. So it's a it's a nice combination mm. of two things that you normally don't get together. So Amazing. definitely one of my favorite spots yeah. to be. And also, you know, you talked about the chaos. It sounds yes. like the sort of absolute opposite. It really is. There is zero chaos in Siwa, and yet I love it. So that yeah. tells you how incredible it is. Yeah, amazing. Yeah, it seems yeah. like sort of a, a land of contrasts, really. Yeah, that's a very great way to put it. Any other sort of hidden gems, Monica? You might want to keep them all to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I am very inclined to do so, but I'll, I'll share some with okay. you. Thank Just you. a couple. Similar concept, but on the polar opposite side of the country, you have Hesa Island in mm. Aswan okay. or in the Nubian area. These are some of the most friendly humans I've encountered in this country. In Hesa and in Aswan and also in Siwa. So okay. I think that's just, that's my go-to. I, yeah. I like good people. Yeah, yeah. Um, I we like good too. people in beautiful places. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Hesa has, honestly, colorful houses, beautiful views. It's also serene. It's an island surrounded by the Nile, surrounded by greenery, and just calm. Yeah. There are not a lot of people who frequent Hesa, but it really adds to the homey feel especially if you're coming in as a visitor you kind of get brought into people's homes and you get invited into the experience that is their mm. lives mm. and that itself as a way of interacting with local culture mm. is really mm. eye-opening we're going to talk a bit about communities in the next section of the podcast but it strikes me that there is a community feel in egypt that as you say people are yeah absolutely and is that, is that a fair representation, Monica? I'm a big fan of talking to strangers. Mm. So this yeah. might partially be me. People are super warm. They are very welcoming. And you get it more so in the smaller towns and rural yeah. areas than you do in the big city. Yeah. Cairo is yeah. a big city. Alexandria is a big city. And so people are friendly, but it's not as warm and communal as Siwa, as Aswan and Luxor. However, it's really easy to connect with locals. Mm. Yes. People are welcoming and people are gracious towards foreigners who are willing to engage them and their culture as opposed to kind of you know stiff arm them 
Yeah, yes, that makes complete sense. I was going to say, because traditionally, and lots of like kind of foreigners have come to Egypt to see sort of two things. So there's, there's kind of beaches in the Mediterranean kind of packagey holiday. And then there's also obviously the kind of like the tombs and, and, and seeing all the amazing kind of ancient artifacts and seeing Cairo, etc. But actually, there's quite a lot to be said there about going out and exploring quite a, quite a huge country. Yes, there's a lot beyond the traditional. Mm. So, for example, there's a locally owned food Mm. tour company. They're the first food tour company in Egypt. Their name is Bellies En Route. And these guys do food tours where they walk you through downtown and you get to experience the food and get to understand the history of the space. But also you connect with the local vendors, you connect with the restaurant owners, you get to be part of the process and part of the experience. And so I guess that kind of ties into the hidden gems a little bit as well, because these guys are, in my eyes, they are a hidden gem because they connect you with the community that you are experiencing Mm. um, in a way that is very Mm. authentic. And so there are things beyond, you know, going to the beach and having that entire all-inclusive sort of experience and the historic side. There's the people side. There's the cuisine side. There's the adventure side. There's a lot more to the country. Yeah. You just touched on the adventure side there a little bit. And we've sort of discussed quite a few outdoorsy places and lots of green places as well. But it's definitely, definitely the place for adventure and epic journeys. What are some of the best that you can kind of take? So, like I mentioned, I'm a big fan of talking to strangers. Those are some of the best adventures that you can have. But if you want to, I guess, um, take a more traditional route at adventure. Egypt honestly has incredible trails for people who are into hiking and climbing and stuff. There will be no climbing of the pyramids. Take that from me. Do not do it. Mm. It does not end well. (laughs) But... You've got the Sinai Trail, you've got the Red Sea Mountain Trail, and these are two sister Mm. trails along with the Wedi Ram Trail in Jordan. Um, And they're all connected as part of a bigger picture project called the, I believe, the Bedouin Trail. These are all like grassroots local Bedouin community work. Oh, wow. Yeah, they're really cool experiences. Something like the Sinai Trail, for example, it's Egypt's first long distance hike and it takes, I believe, 50 something days to do and is about 500 something kilometers. Mm -hmm. First of all, it runs through the lands of eight different Bedouin tribes in the Sinai. And it's run and operated by these tribes. It's operated by the Sinai Trail, like the entity itself. But it's made up of and run by these tribes. And so you get to really connect with them. Mm. But you're also doing so while running through like canyons and valleys or going through sandy plains or climbing some of the most iconic Mm. mountains like uh, Mountain Catherine. And so if you're looking for adventure in that regard, this is definitely one of the experiences that I enjoyed and definitely recommend just in a very well-rounded way. Like they touch Mm. on so many things and it's adventure and it's people and it's the outdoors and you can do portions of it, not, not, Mm. not the entire through trail. So you could pick which portions. So that's definitely up there as a recommended experience for adventure. That sounds incredible. Yeah, it really does. It really is. I was just going to say, if you, if you don't have 50 days to spare, if you only had a week, what sections would you recommend Monica? I am not knowledgeable enough on all the sections (laughs) um, because (laughs) it is very thorough and very detailed and I do not want to get it wrong. However, the Sinai Trails Mm. website and the Red Sea Mountain Trail website do such an incredible job of just informing people what the different Mm. sections are, how long they take and what to expect, whether in terms of physical 
exhaustion. I'm, sure. gonna, I'm gonna use the word exhaustion because that's me <laughs> and I exhaust easily. But physical exertion, for lack of better terms, but also yeah. what to expect in terms of scenery and uh, experience. So their websites, um, the Sinai Trail and the Red Sea Mountain Trail, do a phenomenal job of recommending far better than I could. But Monica, it does sound absolutely amazing. As you say, that combination of landscape and mm. people, it's like the perfect sort of travel experience. Absolutely. I think you've done an amazing job of showing us quite a different side of Egypt than what I expected. Absolutely. Oh, thank you. So let's move on to a little bit about what's going on right now in Egypt and some of the best times to visit. Hello, Where To Go listeners, it's James here. It's coming up to Christmas and what greater gift could there possibly be than the promise of future adventures? So we've teamed up with our friends at WH Smith for a very special offer. Until the 7th of January, you can get 20% off any Decal Witness travel guide, including all of our Eyewitness, Top 10 and Like A Local guides. To claim your discount online, simply go to whsmith.co.uk, choose your book and enter the code Eyewitness20. And in any high street store, visit the link in our episode bio and show the QR code at the checkout. Offer excludes delivery costs, excludes stores at airports, railway stations, motorway service stations, hospitals, garden centres and workplaces and books by WH Smith at Selfridges, Harrods, Phoenix and Arnott's. Full T's and C's available at whsmith.co.uk forward slash terms. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. So, Monica, I know you said you're not that much of a history buff. That's fine. That's totally fine. But one exciting topic that we should touch on is uh, the opening of the Grand Egyptian Museum. Not open at the time of recording, but expected very, very soon. Will you be visiting? Yes, definitely not a museum person. But um, so the Grand Egyptian Museum seems like it's going to be completely different. And honestly, honestly, well worth visiting. So as of right now, it isn't open. But um, there are certain areas of it that have been open for like exclusive events and summits and galleries and what have you. So um, people have been given access to the grounds. But none of the actual artifacts or displays, um, like there's no extensive King Tut collection just yet. But that's actually one of the really cool things to expect wow. once mm-hmm. it does open. But just so far, the, the outdoors area, the food area, gift shop and some artifacts and displays like art displays here and there. Just having experienced those, there honestly is something very grand about the experience just it's the way it's put together and the way that the space is curated i'm a big fan of spaces and so the way that the space itself is put together and curated having attended a couple of events there there's something incredibly captivating about it and that's without any of the 
ancient history that in itself, going back to the word choice, is very humbling. Mm. And so the space as a whole and the curation of the space already makes it well worth visiting. And so all the more so once it does open up. And I know that there are also plans to connect it with the pyramid complex um, mm. in some capacity. So it's just going to eventually mm. become a very inclusive and very rounded experience of ancient Egyptian history in, in that space. And I think they're pulling off a, uh, an incredible job of curating that experience. Well, I don't think you could give a more glowing recommendation seeing as, Monica, you're not a huge history and museum person. I don't do so history, does... I don't do museums, but I love <laughs> the space. I loved it. I went for summits, but it was an incredible space. And it's good to have our history shown off, or our ancient history, rather, shown off in a way that's well put together, that's well curated, yeah. that's welcoming, and that does do justice to the grand nature of ancient Egyptian history. We've got 7,000 years of history and the ancient history yeah. is just, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say this because ancient Egyptian civilization is a much longer period than lots of people think it actually is. About 7,000 years. Yeah. I was reading fact the other day that Cleopatra was closer to the invention of the iPhone than she was the building of the pyramids. Wow. That's mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> that is correct. It's quite the challenge to get 7,000 years of history into one building. It's an undertaking, yeah. Yeah, very, very excited to wow. go and visit that. That would be amazing. Absolutely. So if visitors then are planning to come to Egypt and they're going to do the Grand Egyptian Museum, what time of year, Monica, would be a good time for them to come over? Honestly, Egypt is a good year-round destination, depending on where you're going. So if you're in it for the beaches, you can essentially come in at any point during the year and you're going to love it. Um, mm. The Mediterranean coast, if you're heading in that direction, incredible during the summer. If you're heading to Luxor, Aswan or Siwa, please do not come in the summer. For the love of all that is good and holy, you will scorch. Yes. Yeah. However, peak time is actually fall and spring. So anytime uh, between October, November, September, October, November, or yeah. February, March, April, and a bit of May is peak when it comes to uh, weather so that you can have a comfortable experience regardless of where you're going. Great. Great. Good answer. Sounds good. And would you say sort of Egypt is a budget-friendly destination as well? It can be if you want it to be. Yeah. One of the cool mm. things is that you can have an incredibly luxurious experience and you can also have a very budget experience and they'll both be good experiences depending mm. on what you're looking for so it definitely yeah. has the capacity to be very budget friendly yeah okay good that's good to hear i think you're going to have a great answer for this monica but this season we're exploring how listeners can support local communities when they're traveling so what sorts of things can travelers think about when they visit egypt i think when travelers are coming into egypt it can be almost intimidating to engage with local communities um, mm. just because you're walking into a space that you may not be familiar with on the ground and there is quite a bit of chaos and so plugging in may seem intimidating however honestly the easiest way to do it is to book local to engage with locals so off the top of my head like we were saying with the food tours yes bellies on route these guys are locally owned and operated and they are really big on giving back to their vendors and their suppliers and the, the community that works with them. So book local tours with local guides or with local companies. 
And that way yeah. you give back, but you also get to see what you're giving into as well. And you get to be part of that. So it's not just a financial thing. It's a it's a people thing. Mm. Mm. And that also connects back to the Sinai Trail, the Red Sea Mountain Trail. And a lot of the Bedouin initiatives that are happening, these are operated fully by the local Bedouin communities who where this is their livelihoods. So you get to mm. plug into their worlds and mm. their lives and what it looks like to live their life and to experience their culture in a very tangible way. And you're also benefiting them financially. So that's mm. a really, really good way of doing it. But if you're not a hiker, if you're not a foodie, there are more practical things like you know, stay in eco lodges, stay in boutique hotels, don't run for the like all-inclusive chain hotels. The boutique stuff is also safe. I think sometimes yeah. there's yeah. a fear of like, oh, I'm going to a shady little boutique eco lodge. Do your due diligence check. Yep. But there is a lot of benefit to staying in eco lodges and boutique hotels and shop local. If you're in, uh, if you're in Sinai, if you're in Siwa, there are a lot of handicrafts, and mm. these are made by locals, and they they make for good souvenirs as well. So plugging into things like that, buying local in terms of uh, crafts and stuff, especially in light of like the current inflation, so. That's a really good yeah. way to connect as well. Very, very wise words there. And I think that is almost all we have time for today. <laughs> but Monica, it was really wonderful to meet you. Likewise. Best of luck with the update of DKR Witness Egypt as well. It is an undertaking and we, we're loving it. <laughs> this country changes every three days. <laughs> it's, it's been long overdue an update that, for that book. And um, yeah, it's really exciting to see you working on it. And hopefully it'll have all of these recommendations plus even more absolutely but yeah it's so wonderful to meet you thank you so much for coming on the podcast thank you so much for having me it's been a pleasure thank you monica wasn't that pretty Lucy? huge thanks to monica huge thanks seeing as egypt has seven thousand years of history a fact i just learned yes but i thought she did a wonderful job of talking a bit about that history but also as we said at the beginning sort of discussing the modern side and she did it in a really articulate eloquent inspiring way and talking about the people we always love to hear about the people of destinations absolutely and i'll just point out seven thousand years of ancient history so ancient history uh... yes my mistake so big thank you to monica it was brilliant yes yeah it was i think a really great sort of summary of like a taster of what you can expect in egypt and yeah it's made me really want to go and lit up that flame all over again and you can follow monica's work at www.monicagerges.com that's g-e-r-g-e-s.com and where are we going next, Lucy? Oh, well, James, actually, we're staying very close to mm. home. You and I are staying in London for a very special episode of Where to Go, which I'm super excited about. It's just going to be you and me, pal. It's just going to be us. So, um, yeah, we thought, yeah. why don't we do a little special on London and sort of turn the microphone round about our sort of favourite sides of London. So, yeah, yes. Lucy, have you been writing yeah. your list? I have been writing my list and I'm so excited, James, I just know you're going to break your own rules and want to give multiple answers to the quick fire round so i'm looking forward if there's ever any guests who've like been on the podcast before i'm really really sorry i'm definitely going to break those rules and i know i've tried to be stringent before but it's it's uh <laughs> when it's myself i probably can't help myself and when it's london as well yeah it's hard it's really hard and that's what i'm learning i'm learning it's really difficult we put our guests in the hot seat to choose just one one favorite thing to eat or favorite day activity but i'm really looking forward to it, james it will be a really great listen i think i think it will so yeah come along for that in two weeks time but until then it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and we shall see you very soon 
Where to Go is a podcast from DK Witness. It was produced by Julia Baker, presented by Lucy Richards and James Atkinson with the help of Bella Talbot. For more information about DK Witness, follow us on social media at DK Witness or visit dk.com forward slash eyewitness. And please like and follow the show. And if you have time, leave a review. Your support means so much to us.